0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones.
1: Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Leaders on Leadership podcast where we pull back the curtain on leadership and we speak with leaders of all ages and stages about what it takes to truly pay the price of leadership. And today I am so excited because my guest is David Medansky. David is known as the overweight person's best friend because as somebody who was fat and told by his doctor, he had a 95% chance for a fatal heart attack, he learned how to reduce weight without going on a diet or exercising. Now he feels great, he has more energy, and he has improved his overall health. David, thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: And the timing is purely providence because we're wrapping up the year and starting the new one. And I know reclaiming your health, especially after the last couple of years and maybe COVID and putting on the COVID 10, 20, 30, whatever, people are really excited to hear what you have to say. And I am too, because weight loss is the ultimate self-leadership program.
0: Absolutely. If you're not accountable to yourself, who are you going to be accountable to?
1: Absolutely. And that's the big difference between being a leader and leadership. So let's get right into it, David, because I want to hear how you weave this into leadership. So my father gave a speech called The Price of Leadership. He was very pragmatic. He was very, uh, had a wonderful sense of mirth and joy, but he was also dead serious about leadership and that there's a price you're going to have to pay. It isn't all sunshine, roses, yachts, and corner offices. He says there's a price. And one of the elements that he says that leaders are going to have to deal with is loneliness. And we've heard that, you know, it's lonely at the top. A lot of people, when they get into leadership positions, they're like, wow, I'm kind of out there on my own. Can you unpack for our listeners what loneliness means for you as a leadership role and maybe some tools that they can use to help them?
0: Sure, parties or social events, and I choose not to indulge in all the goodies that are being served. You know, the desserts, the food that I know is unhealthy or fattening, especially around the holidays. It's a choice I'm making not to do it, And people sometimes feel a little intimidated because it's like, well, why aren't you eating this? Or why aren't you participating? One cookie won't hurt you. No, it won't hurt you. It won't kill you. However, it will keep you from losing the weight you want to lose. Mm. And it will also add weight to you. Most people will gain 10 pounds between Thanksgiving and New Year's. So if you avoid putting on those 10 pounds, that's this 10 pounds less you have to reduce. The other thing is it's a choice. So I tell people more for you Or it looks better on you than myself and better in the trash than in my ass. So it's decisions. Again, you know, it's very easy to, you know, say, yeah, I want to have the cookies and the cake and the desserts and the special meal that's being prepared. However, again, I choose not to indulge in. And that's being a leader because you're showing people how to do it and what to do. You're not just telling them. So it's not do as I say, it's do as I do.
1: Well, I love that, but that's okay. Because when you know, as a leader, why you're doing it, you know, it's not just food, it's drinking. I mean, there's a lot of things that too much of a good thing is definitely a bad thing. So I truly appreciate that. And David, I've had people like I reclaimed my health three years ago, and now I'm on healthy habits for life. I'm not going back there. Like you said, it may not kill me, but I know how long it took me to pick up all that weight. (laughs) And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that again. And so I have some friends that say, yes, but I can't do these social events or speaking or traveling as if you're in a country and you're going to offend somebody if you don't wolf everything down. So I really appreciate you sharing that.
0: And you can participate. What I tell people is, you know, take a little bit of the dessert or the glass of wine and walk around, just put it to your lips. So it looks like you're participating when you're really not. And then when you're ready to leave, you put the plate of desserts down or the glass of wine or the drink down. And no one knows whether you're drinking it or not. Yet it looks like you're doing it. So it's a little tip I give to people to do.
1: Right. Well, this is good loneliness. And as I tell people, loneliness in and of itself is not a bad thing. If you're doing something that the masses aren't doing, that's not necessarily a bad thing because self-control and self-discipline is all about what works for you. And I have friends that can eat carbs and sugar out the wazoo and never an issue. I'm not one of them. I can't. It really badly affects me.
0: I'm like you. If I start eating Pringles potato chips or M&Ms or Hershey bars, I won't stop. I'm addicted to it. <laughs> View it like being an alcoholic. You just don't have one drink, once you do. So again, it's a choice. And I choose not to start even having that stuff. I just look at it and say, okay, more for everybody else.
1: And you said loneliness um, because It's in your face everywhere, TV, social media, the stores. I can remember when Covers first hit, I read an article that said, um, you know, the shelves are empty of all like Twinkies and ding dogs. And I thought, oh, no, 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 this is terrible. You know, comfort food will kill you. And now that we know all about the comorbidities with COVID, I thought, this is the worst possible thing. You're throwing gasoline on a fire. It's all in society to get you wired into that little trigger and to addict you to it, unhealthy food.
0: Exactly. What was interesting is, like you said, the shelves are empty for the middle part of the stores. Well, I didn't have to forego anything because all the fruits and vegetables were there. And it's like, What shortages? I know. Because what I enjoy and what I eat, there's plenty of it because everybody else, like you said, stocking up on the stuff they shouldn't, the chemical laden, sugar laden, you know, highly toxic foods that are comfort foods, you know, the frozen meals loaded with sodium. And people don't read labels. They need to read the fine print. Being a lawyer in a past life, I've learned to look at the fine print and read the details. If people look at the ingredients on labels, they wouldn't touch some of the stuff that they put in their mouths.
1: Well, that's a great metaphor for life, too, because too often we're too accepting and we need to really be discerning about who we allow in our lives and what we allow in our bodies because everything you take in becomes a part of you.
0: Dr. Bob Martin said, he says, if you wear out your body, where else are you going to live?
1: Right. Well, I was really inspired in my health journey when I got serious three years ago. And, you know, I'm tall and I'm athletic, so I can carry it. But just because I can carry it (laughs) doesn't mean I should carry it. And I thought, "My, you said, what did you say? Better in the trash than on your ass. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, we're not going to be filmed on stage from this angle because this is ridiculous. And so I just thought to myself, but I was at a Joyce Meyer event. And she's never been heavy, but she had really toned down. And she's like, listen, I'm not sick. I'm not dying. And she said, my body is a temple. And if I'm going to continue to run this race, I need to get serious about it. And she got with a trainer and she dropped like 25 pounds. I think she was in her early seventies or mid seventies when she did that. And I thought, that's it. No more excuses. No more. Well, you're post-menopause or that's just how it is. I'm like, No, no, no. I see other people my age and older that are high weight proportionate and look good in everything they wear. They look fit. And so I thought it's not an age thing.
0: No, it's not, Tracy, because my wife is looking great at her age. I won't say it. So when people say, oh, you know, I'm too old for this. It's like, no, you're not. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's little things like that that can make the difference
1: as we talk more about this in the book, that'll encourage them too, because people don't like to diet. You know, that's a bad thing. No,
0: I'm anti-diet. That's for sure.
1: I hear you. Now it kind of in line and a lot of what you're saying contributes to this weariness. We still are, even though we have this vision and we have this imago de God seed and purpose, we're still mere mortals. And how do you deal with weariness in your field? And how do you stay at your tip top self?
0: I'm always learning. I'm always reading, looking for new things. And again, being a lawyer, I've learned to discern fact from fiction from opinion. And right now there's so many people out there touting different weight loss programs and diets and supplements. And I look at everything and then I analyze it to see what is being actually promoted as accurate. And what I found is a lot of the current authors in their books, they're writing these books because they're promoting their own products. right? And they'll tell you, oh, You're not able to accomplish your goal of reducing weight and improving your health if you don't take my supplement or follow my program. So you have to be careful out there. Right now on Amazon alone, there are 50,000 books on weight loss, health, diet, and fitness. And one thing I want to point out to people, Tracy, is just because a person is thin does not necessarily mean they're healthy. So there may be a lot of reasons why they're not overweight. However, 73% of the U.S. adult population is overweight, of which 41% is chronically or clinically obese. It's an epidemic. And it's been going on since the 1980s. Mm-hmm. It's getting worse.
1: Well, two things that really resonate with me. Number one is we try these things and we get weary because they don't work. If they worked, we would be excited because we'd be feeling better, looking better, And I know when I lost my 50 pounds, I was back to my old mid-20s cadet weight in the military. So you talk about really doing your due diligence. And so really dig in and look at what people are saying and vet them. The other thing you talked about is people typically are marketing their own product. And as a researcher, and you know, as a lawyer, you always have to consider the source and look at if they are promoting something to pad their own pockets. And there's a lot of that going on right now in medical journals, I'm like, you're proposing this and you're the one that gets the money for this. Don't you see that there could possibly be a conflict or an ethical issue here? Nope. And so, uh, it's one of those things for weariness. really do your homework. You offered our listeners some great things, do your due diligence and look, I would read people's stuff. And then I'm like, Oh, they're either running for office. They got a book coming out or something else. So of course they're putting up there and that's their motivation. But had I not taken my time to go, okay, where's this person coming from I'd done my due diligence, I would have bought into it, it wouldn't have worked. And I would have been even more tired because I wasted more time and money.
0: Exactly. And that's what happens. People keep losing the same 10 pounds over and over again because a diet is temporary. It's extreme, hard to stick with and potentially dangerous to your health. So that's why I'm anti-diet. I want to teach people how to improve their eating habits and their lifestyle. So consider a diet like a sprint it has a finish line, there's a goal. And what happens is when a lot of people reach that goal, they revert back to their old eating habits. However, if you look at a lifestyle as a marathon, now you're running and you're doing it for the long term. And just think of it as a marathon without a finish line. So you're like the Energizer bunny rat, you just keep going and going and going. And like you said, you'll have more energy, you'll feel better, you look better, and you improve your overall health. Isn't that what everybody would like? Well,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Let's talk about abandonment. And abandonment can have, like everything else, kind of a negative connotation. But when my father talked abandonment, he referred to it as really a hyper focus that we need to abandon what we like and want to think about or put in our mouths in favor of what we ought and need to think about or put in our mouths. So how did you? I mean, I have read all the stuff. I love motivation. I love hearing stories like yours because I'm sure your doctor was not the first person that told you you're in for an early grave, my friend. But for whatever reason, you suddenly abandoned your old habits and said, I'm going to get serious. Can you share that with us, what abandonment means for you?
0: What I did, I lost 50 pounds in four months. And I tell people I could have done that during the previous eight years. I procrastinated. I made excuses. I'll start on Monday, after the holidays, after vacation, after we go to dinner at a fancy restaurant, friends. I mean, there's a whole bunch of excuses for delaying eating healthy, and starting a weight loss journey, or even just getting fit. And so what I've learned in doing research for the book is focus on what you want, because what you focus on expands. So instead of drawing on what I'm not able to do or not able to eat, I focus on looking forward to eating the apple or the unsalted nuts, the raw nuts or the healthy stuff. So that way, I'm not thinking about what I'm not able to have. Because again, what you focus on expands. I'm focusing on what I'm looking forward to eating that I'm am able to, and that I enjoy. If you don't like it, don't eat it. Someone says, oh, you need to eat this certain thing and you don't like it doesn't mean you shouldn't. For example, some people like eggs, some don't. Some like avocados, some don't. Some like fish, some don't. Some want beef, some don't. So it's what you like and you enjoy that's healthy for you that you should focus on. And one thing with Dan Buettner who wrote Blue Zones, in case people aren't aware of it, Blue Zones are five areas around the world where people have good health, and lived long lives to, you know, 90s, 100s and above. And what he found is they only have about 25 ingredients in their entire diet. That's not a whole lot when you think about what is in our pantries and refrigerators.
1: Well, I can remember during the first Gulf War, we were out in the Middle East. The only thing we had to eat in the beginning was potatoes and eggs. Well, that happens to be two of my very favorite foods. <laughs> So for three weeks, we had every variation potato eggs. I could have ate it for, you know, three months. And they're like, we're glad you're here because you're the only one that says that they're happy about <laughs> this. But I mean, I, I love that when you really abandon down and look at the core of what you really need to eat. There's not all this stuff that we have now.
0: Exactly. Have and people would think they only need, if you're a female, about 1,250 calories and a male about 1,750 calories a day, you know, unless you're physically active. If they see what they're actually consuming, the average American consumes 3,600 calories per day. That's double of what you actually need. And the daily recommended nutrients is based on 2,000 calories a day. And yet people are exceeding that. So you need to look at what you putting in your body. How I look at it is my body is a machine. It's an incredible machine and I need to give it the right fuel. And the right fuel is the proper food. That was the difference in changing my focus is eating to fuel the body, not for socialization, not for comfort.
1: Right. Well, and remember, what you have stored on you, that's fuel too. You know, we think about bears hibernating in the winter and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to starve to death. No, you're not. You're carrying around 50 pounds and what is it? Every pound is 3,500 calories. You could literally be like Jesus and go fast yeah. for 30 days and not die if you had water and that's how you quote lose weight you start burning it and so that when i really realized that i'm like oh okay it's science right david exactly. you have to expend more than you take in
0: to burn off or like to a, said, degree, to yeah. a degree to a degree because yeah. not all calories are equal
1: that is true absolutely tell me about that
0: some calories are nutritious like an apple it's about 90 to 100 calories. Yeah, it takes your body about 25 calories to digest it. A Hershey bar or m ms have zero nutritional value and about 125 calories takes your body zero calories to digest Right, it.
1: absolutely. And when I say counting calories, I assume you're not doing candy. I assume you're-
0: <laughs> You can't assume that. I mean, people look yeah, at you're diet right. soda. Yeah. Diet soda is the worst oh. you can drink it weight gain.
1: I was at that Steelers game this weekend and I just look at push and push and push and soda. And I'm like, isn't this like cigarettes and tanning beds? How can everybody still be drinking
0: this stuff? And yet it's everywhere. Exactly. And what I tell people, they're like, it's zero calories. How does it cause weight gain? Because it's aspartame and aspartame is a chemical for the artificial sweetness, which increases your craving for sweetness and it inhibits your body and prevents it from absorbing vitamins, minerals, and nutrients. So it puts your body in what they call starvation mode. So Mm. your body retains the weight because it thinks it's starving because it's not getting the right nutrition, right fuel. And so you should avoid diet soda. Our bodies are 60 to 70% water, not soda or diet soda, or fruit juice, fruit beverages. Yet more soda is consumed by Americans than any other beverage. So drink more water. The other thing is when a lot of people are hungry or think they're hungry, they're actually thirsty. So they should drink water instead of eating. And we can go about three to four days without water. However, you can go about, like you said, 30, 40 days without food, Correct. Well, which is more important. So it's the water. So that's why I tell people number one principle for healthy weight loss and healthy eating, drink more water.
1: I love it. Well, and it, what do they say? Your body weight cut in half is how many ounces? Is that kind of what you tell people?
0: Exactly. So if you're 200 pounds, drink 100 ounces, unless you're doing extreme physical activity or you live in the desert in Arizona like we do, and it's hot outside, then you drink more water or a minimum of 64 ounces. So yeah, one half of your body weight in ounces for water.
1: Well, and again, I think some people think, well, I'm just gonna eat healthier, but you have to abandon the bad stuff because otherwise, like you said, you're working against yourself and you can be working out and watching what you eat, but then if you do these other things, it's like fleas, it's still infecting you and causing your body to not get the results that you want.
0: And let's talk about working out and exercise. That's great for overall health and fitness. It's the worst thing you can do for weight loss. I hear you. Why do I say that? It's because you're replacing... You're fat with muscle and muscle and fat weigh exactly the same. However, fat takes up more room than muscle. So what happens is people go to the gym, New Year's resolution for two, three weeks, and they're doing everything. They're eating healthy and the scale's not moving and they're frustrated. It's like, why isn't the scale moving? Well, it's because you just replace the fat with muscle. Mm -hmm. So I ask clients, well, how are your clothes fitting? Oh, they're loose and people are asking me if I'm losing weight. Go by what your clothes say because the scale will lie to you.
1: Absolutely. Well, I love that. So that is some wonderful things. And two, I think I lost my 50 pounds in about five months. And that's what they told me. You cannot work out. Because otherwise, I've tried that before because I love working. I'm a gym rat. And I would get bigger and bigger and more muscular, but I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, I'm not entering a roller derby. I need to, I need to drop. So that's what I did too. They told me no working out until you get to your ideal weight. And I did that. And that was just that worked out perfect for me.
0: And that was exactly what I did. It was no exercise until the weight came off and then it would start gradually doing more physical exercise and activity. And again, exercise is great for overall health and fitness. And the biggest example of that is the biggest loser. 66% of the contestants have regained all their weight, some even more. Most of them have not kept off the weight that they dropped. It's not sustainable to be working out three, four, five, six hours a day.
1: Right. And to our listeners too, as another thing, as you're dropping the weight and you still stay active, like you said, like they would tell me still do a half an hour walking your dogs, whatever, because motion is healthy. People would say to me, Hey, are you working out? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Because when that layer of fat starts coming off the top of your muscles, then they're like, Oh my gosh, you must be working. I'm like, I'm not, you can just now see my my muscles because I've always been athletic underneath it. And they're like, you're so cut. And I'm like, no, you know, and so (laughs) just for the listeners out there to encourage you, yeah, you have to cut out eating, but it was nice to take a five-month break from working out all the time and just and let what was underneath it all
0: come to the top. Exactly, and one other thing to point out to people is not to go into reduced caloric intake, at least maintain 1,250 calories a day. If you do less than that, again, you put your body in starvation mode. Right. Now you're burning muscle instead of fat, and that's not healthy for you. So you want to eat good protein-rich foods a lot of vegetables, you know, some fruits are good. Uh, look for low glycemic foods. Cherries are great. Blueberries are great. Strawberries, simple things that we can replace, you know, get rid of the ice cream.
1: And for the listeners out there, if you're at a restaurant and you're like, like in New Jersey, everything has the calories on it. I love going to New Jersey because I'm like, okay, well that has that. A lot of restaurants do, but if you're not someplace for that, just pull it up on your phone. And say, okay, I'm getting this, you know, what's the rough idea of the calories? So, you know, like when I was in this, I would go on the menu ahead of time and i go, okay, this is what it is. So I wasn't tempted or confused about, well, surely this can't have a lot. And oh, in one meal, I'm already at 1250
0: or more. Well, especially salads. A lot of salads have, you know, a thousand to 2000 calories because of the dressing, the nuts, the cheese, the croutons and everything else they put on it. I'll do you a little bit one better with going to a restaurant. Because I met someone who lost 125 pounds and she did what you did. She said, before I would go out with friends, I would look at the menu to see what I was going to eat. I can go in a restaurant anywhere and just say, I would like a grilled chicken, you know, fish, steak, whatever, and a side of asparagus, broccoli, whatever you like, and they'll make it exactly yes. as you want it. And so you don't even have to look at the menu. You can just say, I would like this. And 100% of the time, even in Rocky Point, Mexico, where my wife and I like to travel, The restaurants are always accommodating. And the magic words I use, I'm on a restricted diet. I'd like to order. And they don't know why you're on a restricted diet. They don't know if you have food allergies, if you are medication or if you have some issues. And no one will ever ask. And they don't know if you're for weight loss or whatever. So those are the magic words. I'm on a restricted diet. I'd like to order. And then tell them what you'd like to order.
1: And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how we abandon what we shouldn't eat in favor of what we should eat. I love it. And it's all about trade-offs. And that's what abandonment is. We all have options about what we can eat and too many options. You need to hone it down on what you need to focus on. So thank you, David. Okay. Lastly, vision. And a lot of times I can remember growing up and I'd be like, oh, somebody's a visionary. They must be super smart or super touched or super, you know, out there. And my dad was like, Tracy, vision is nothing more than seeing what needs to be done and then doing it. And so can you share with us what vision means for you, David, and how you had your wake-up call and how you incorporate that into your continuing vision?
0: My wake-up call came in July of 2016 at the age of 61, when my doctor told me, based on being overweight and my lab results, I had a 95% chance for a heart attack. Now, normally being in the 95 percentile is a good thing, unless it's a death sentence. And that was my wake-up call. So with that sword hanging over my head, I did something, took action, and during the next four months, I shed 50 pounds and I've kept it off. That's the important thing because most people can lose weight, very few will keep it off. And it's changing your eating habits, your lifestyle, and making adjustments. So that was what was important to me. And then I started researching books from the 1970s that I had, because I was always fit and trim like most people. However, life gets in the way family obligations, work responsibilities, stopped working out, stopped eating good, started going through the drive through and ordering fast foods and frozen meals and pizza. And before you knew it, the weight crept up. And so I read the books from the 70s by Paul and Patricia Bragg, Jack LaLanne, Richard Simmons, people like that. And I started reading the current books. And that's when I realized there's a lot of misinformation out there because the current books were promoting their products or their programs. And I went back to the older books and that was the basics. So that's what I wanted to teach people. There's nine principles, new book that I wrote, Break the Chains of Dieting. And people look and they say, well, that's all common sense. I said, exactly. We all know what to do. We just don't do it. So this gives reasons why you should do it. And that was my vision to help others reduce weight in a healthy way, improve their overall health, have more energy, feel better, look better. And that's what I want to do for others. So they don't feel like I did of the risk of dying early. I have a lot of things I want to do. For example, next year in June, I'm going to hike Mount Kilimanjaro and I set my goal and I'm doing it at age 90 because I met Anne Laurie Moore, who has the world record at age 89 as the oldest person to do it. And I told her I wanted to beat a record at age 90.
1: I love it. I love it. That's awesome. That's fantastic. You know, we've covered loneliness. We've covered weariness, abandonment, and vision. Anything else you'd like to share with our leaders while they're listening to you uh, talk about really leading yourself
0: towards a greater health
1: and a more tremendous life?
0: Exactly. Being a leader is showing others what Mm -hmm. you're doing. And one of the things you can do is, you know, The new book that came out, Great Chains of Dieting, got a lot of stories in there, and they're not success stories of other people. They're stories with life lessons, and those life lessons are applied to eating healthy. However, those lessons can be applied to all aspects of your life. So a lot of people like the stories. There's also nine principles, such as drink more water, eat less, tell people how to reduce their portion sizes, eat slower. I know to eat slower. I show you how to eat slower. It's in the book. It's not only what to do, it's also how to do it. And there's some analogies and fables. So a lot of great information, it's entertaining. I wanted people to be entertained with it and to be able to implement the information to improve their overall health and their own lives. Maybe they don't need the book, but maybe they know someone that does. So it makes a great gift that they want to help someone else improve their overall health.
1: You know, we've all been through it and maybe we need it or not, but hearing your timeless truths, we all need to hear that and be reminded of that. Because even though you know in your head, you hear all these other things, and you're like, "Well, and no, you need people like you to come alongside and remind them. No, this is the way to health, and it hasn't changed. And not something new in 2022 that all of a sudden we're going to be able to physically process stuff. different. And David, where can people pick up your book, and how do people get in touch with you?
0: They can go to the website, which is BreakDietChains.com. I love and it. And they can order the book there, and they can reach out to me there. I'm happy to answer questions through emails.
1: Excellent. And do you coach people? Do you do webinars? How can people learn more about how they can lead their way to health in 2022?
0: I do coach people. So if someone's interested in private coaching and being accountable to me to get an accountability partner. Now, one good thing about the book, I do teach people how to get an accountability partner and what to do through it. So they don't really need to hire me as a coach. And as much as I would love to help people, my time is valuable too. And if they can do it on their own and save some money, That's even better. So again, I'm not in it to make a lot of money from people. I'm here to help people and to educate them and show them not only what to do, but how to do it. And here are the steps. So if they follow the steps in the book, and it's based on their likes and dislikes, so it's not a hardcore set, things you must do this, certain things you have to avoid, sodas and diet soda, highly processed foods, manufactured foods, I explain how to read nutritional fact labels so they understand what they're putting in their bodies. And again, I'm not a purist. So I tell people, you don't have to be perfect. And one of the stories is an airplane pilot. If you go from Los Angeles to New York or vice versa, and you're off one degree, you're off 150 miles. And most planes they are what they call autopilot. So the plane's always adjusting 90% of the time. So think of your weight loss journey or your health journey as being correcting all the time. If you go off track, get back on track. Just don't beat yourself up. So it's a positive message. It's not a negative or a harsh message. It's there to reaffirm, reinforce your positive aspect and focus on the positive. What I learned in doing research for the book, 80% of our thoughts are negative. Can you imagine if our thoughts were 80% positive each day? So I teach people how to switch the mindset from a negative to a positive.
1: David, thank you so much as far as leadership and your definition of just wanting to help other, you epitomize leadership. And obviously, you're paying the price of leadership for yourself. You're modeling it so other people can look at you as a beacon and be inspired. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, thank you, Tracy. I appreciate being a guest and having me on to help share the message.
1: And I'm excited that we're connected and reading each other's books. I look forward to many more tremendous interactions, David. Thank you. All right. And to our tremendous listeners out there, thanks so much for tuning in to another Leaders on Leadership podcast. Be sure and hit the subscribe button. You're not going to want to miss another future episode of Leaders on Leadership. Please connect with David, get his book, leave him a comment, reach out. Also do us the honor of a five-star review. Send us a note. Let us know something that you heard today that inspired you to reclaim your health and your tremendousness in 2022. And to our tremendous listeners out there, thank you so much for being a part of our tribe. Thank you for continuing to pay the price of leadership. Check us out at TremendousLeadership.com and have a tremendous rest of your day. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.TremendousLeadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.